All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, let's read verses 11 through 16. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Now, there's two realms. The things of a man, the things of God. The things of man are known by the Spirit that's in him. The things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. So the Spirit of God is not in you. You cannot know the things of God. That's how simple that is. That's what he's saying right there. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. He's talking about the difference between the natural man, the unconverted man, the way we are before we're saved, and then the way we are after we're saved. The difference. The difference is that we don't know anything about God. Because God is a spirit. And we can't understand the things of God. We can't receive the things of the Spirit of God. We can't know them because they're spiritually discerned. And we're carnal. When we're lost. Before we're regenerated. Before we're born again. We are carnal. Really? We live, this sounds bad, but we live just like the animals live. We just live after the lust of the flesh. To eat, to drink, and be merry, to have pleasure. We seek everything we seek. We seek it in this world, in the earthly realm, with carnal appetites, and that's what our life consists of only. We don't know God. We don't know anything about spiritual things of God. And so he's talking about how that he doesn't speak to these people in words of men's wisdom or about how men teach, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Why do they mock? Because it's foolishness to them. They don't understand when you talk about God, when you talk about the Holy Spirit of God, when you talk about spiritual things of God, when you talk about heaven or hell or anything about moral issues, it's foolishness to them because they, they live by the Spirit which is in man. That we read there in the very first verse. Neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things. Yet he himself is judged of no man, for who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. How can they judge us of things that they know nothing of? You can't judge anything that you don't know anything about. You got no right to say anything about anybody about anything that you don't know anything about. It's kind of a offense and abomination to hear somebody 
shooting off their mouth about something that they never have experienced, that they don't know anything about, isn't it? It's kind of offensive. You want to tell them, shut up, you don't know what you're talking about, because they don't know what they're talking about. Luke 12 and verse 23, Jesus said, the life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. Life is more than just the carnal, fleshly, earthly things around us. Jesus said again in verse 15 of chapter 12 in Luke, he said, and, said, and he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. Jesus said that 2,000 years ago. And people still ain't got it. They still think and believe and live as if that's what life amounts to. How much money you can make, how, many, how much goods you can pile up, how many things you can gather together. Uh, you know, man you mentioned a while ago, he did that. I don't know what his spiritual state was, but I got a pretty good idea. That's You live for that all your life. And, and you didn't do what Jesus said. He said, lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth where moss and, and rust doth corrupt and thieves break through and steal. He said, don't do that. But everybody doesn't. Everybody wants to do it. Everybody tries to do it if they can. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 1 through 3 it says this, he said, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able, for ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? Those are the verses that the modern... Baptists used to invent a carnal Christian. And the whole issue there is Paul is saying, you're acting just like you're unconverted. Carnal means unconverted. First definition. Unconverted. Unregenerate to be exact. That's the word that's there in the dictionary. And he's not inventing some kind of... A, he's not talking to people like they're Christians, but they're still carnal. He's saying, you people are acting just like you did before you supposedly got saved. And you read the rest of it and you'll see that. It's no, there's no such a thing. You can't be dead and, and alive. You can't be carnal and spiritual. You can't follow the Spirit and the flesh. You can't walk after both of them. No. It's either or. And so, here we go. In his unconverted state, man is carnal in his nature, not spiritual. Right. Romans chapter 7 is talking about, Paul is talking about his unregenerate state. Plain as day to me. It's a controversy of all the ages. I can tell you all about it, all the way back to where it all started with Augustine, Augustine and Pelagius and all of that. I know all that stuff. But Paul did not say 
as a Christian, I am carnal, sold under sin. That's a contradiction of everything else he said, everything Jesus said in the gospel. Can't be that way. There ain't no such a thing. <coughs> to be carnally minded is death. Yeah. And to be carnally minded is to be an enemy of God. So how? It's just a good excuse to latch on to when you want to live in your sin and continue in your sin and yet claim to be a Christian. Especially if you're a preacher or a theologian or a teacher in some seminary or college that's got dirt in your life and you don't want to deal with it. Yes, sir. An unconverted man in his carnal state, he's not spiritual. He's in the world. And he's of the world. And as far as he's concerned, all of his plans and desires and pleasures and hopes are to be found in this world and in this life. Y'all hearing me? That's what a carnal person is. He doesn't look or imagine beyond his prison cell walls for anything to hope for or plan for or prepare for or to desire. The carnal person is like somebody locked up in a room with no windows. And that's his world. And that's where he lives. And he don't even think about anything outside of those walls. He never dreams about anything, never imagines about it, never inquires about anything. He's happy right there in his little cell. That's what a whirling is. The cell's bigger. It's the world. You know, you can wander around in the world. But he... But the walls are still there. The boundaries are still there of his thinking. He doesn't think about spiritual things. He, he doesn't even realize there's any more than what he lives in right here. As far as he can see to his walls and boundaries, that's all that he thinks exists. And that's all that's good enough for him. He can find enough pleasure and enough uh, plans and and enough to desire within his walls. He's boxed in by the world. And all the information he has is of the world around him. And most of it is false or fantasy. All that he thinks. All that he believes. All that he plans for. And bases his life on. It's fantasy or lies. But it's his realm where he lives. Now, after a person's truly converted and born again of the Spirit of God, they're freed from the bonds of a carnal nature. Hallelujah for that. What is Jesus talking about? The truth will make you free. Free from what? He came to set the captives free. Captives of what? Yeah. Their sin had locked them in to their prison. They were blind. They couldn't see. He came to give sight to the blind. Not with these eyes. He did that while he walked his earth. But that's, that was not... We're supposed to see more than that. We're supposed to understand more about it than that. Everything Jesus did had a spiritual reason and motive behind it. He fed the multitudes. He healed the blind. He healed the lepers. What all else did he do? The lame. He, he rose people from the dead. 
He done all kinds of things. Cast out devils and unclean spirits. But it was all a spiritual exercise. When a person's born again, their spiritual eyes are opened and they can see outside of the prison cell of a carnal mind. That's what happens when you get born again. You see what you didn't see before. Because you were blinded. Because you were limited. Because you lived in an earthly, carnal realm only. You couldn't worship God. You couldn't even know really about God. Because God is a spirit. And they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. You didn't know nothing about that. You didn't have any way of comprehending that. Natural man cannot know them. And he cannot receive them. So, reasoning and apologetics and all that, evidently that's for us and not the lost people because won't get it. It's interesting. It's interesting to read their logic and their evidence and hear their arguments and all of that, but the, the best argument in the world that any Christian ever gave for God, you know, against evolution and against all this stuff, it's not the stuff that awakens a soul, that births a soul into God's spiritual kingdom. doesn't do it. Won't do it. Can't ever do it. Not by the wisdom which... Uh, what did he say right here? Not by... Not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth. Paul said, I don't do that stuff. I'm not an apologist. I tell you what the Holy Ghost saith. Not what men say. Not what smart men say. Not what real, cunning, clever educated men say, but what the Holy Ghost saith carries more weight than what any man says. It's what makes the difference in the Word of God, whether it's got power or whether it doesn't. It's the Spirit of God. There's no Spirit of God in it. It's dead. Dead in the water and it ain't going nowhere. He's learned that there's more to life than he can perceive with his physical senses. When you get born again, you, you, you immediately realize there's more to life and living than what I've seen all my life. There's something else behind all of this. He's learned that everything in the physical realm is moved and orchestrated by spiritual powers that he's been completely unaware of until now. Churches are full of people. <clears throat> I hope it's not that way here, but I'm afraid it probably is with a lot of people that <clears throat> just totally unaware. We're practicing religion. We're seeing how much we can learn, memorize, know about the Bible, about doctrine, even about God without the Spirit, just with a carnal mind by comparing spiritual things with carnal things. There's a lot of that goes on. We try to understand the spiritual by what we see in the natural and we justify it by saying how God created everything. He didn't create everything in His own image. He created man in His own image. Not everything else. Everything's got God's signature on it. Yeah. You can... Know everything there is to know about God, even His eternal power and Godhead from the creation, but you can't be born again 
that way. <clears throat> Through knowledge. That's right. It has to be the Spirit of God that breathes life into you. Spiritual life. New life. Not just an infusion of more knowledge into the old life. From man's wisdom, it doesn't happen that way. We can't talk people in to being born again. It's a dilemma with like all these people we're just talking about. You know, what do you do? How do you explain to somebody at the drop of a hat how to be saved? Well, it's simple. You just tell them that do, that, do they know they're a sinner? Do they know Jesus died for their sin? Do they know that Jesus saved them? If they ask him, and then do it. <laughs> no, no doesn't work that way. No. That's why we're in the state that we're in yes. right now. That because that's what's been done for a few generations here. <clears throat> it's filled the churches with unconverted people, with carnal people that don't see a thing wrong with anything. I saw one of these Christian girls we know the other day talking about getting her tattoo. She just wanted to be getting, she's got a whole bunch of them she's been wanting to get for a long time. She can just gather the money up and they go to independent fundamental Bible in Baptist church. Yes, sir. Everything's spiritual in Jesus and Jesus. I bet they got to get their tattoos. I don't see nothing wrong with anything. That's just one thing. <clears throat> they can find a boyfriend, they'll shack up with him too. Don't think a thing about it. God understands, you know. You won't see things that way when the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God, births you into the kingdom of God. You won't see things that way. You'll understand some things about God. See, they talk about God like they know Him. They don't. They know about Him, but it's obvious that they don't know God. All these people, they don't have any comfort in their troubles. They're always in some drama that's just de devouring their life and they're just about to wipe out and they just barely make it from one, you know, <clears throat> bottle to the next. Milk bottle. You understand? They barely can make it. <clears throat> so everything, you learn real quick that everything in the physical realm is moved and orchestrated by spiritual powers that he hadn't been aware of until now. And this changes the whole game of life for him. Now we're talking about the person that is born again, really saved, really regenerated, <clears throat> really justified before God, redeemed, Re-reconciled to God. All those things. We're talking about the real one. It changes the whole game of life. Instead of wrestling against flesh and blood, he realizes the warfare and the struggle is really with spiritual powers. All right, now you hear me saying these things? How many people do you know? And what about you yourself? Does this describe you? Have you got to this place yet in your life where you've stopped the arguing and the blaming and the justifying and the rationalizing and the dealing with people in that realm? Even your children, even your spouse. Have you got to the place where you recognize? He realizes that his mind is affected by spiritual powers that are vying for control of his mind and his heart and his life. You start reading in Ephesians about putting on the whole armor of God and wrestling against uh, powers and all of this, then you begin to understand there's 
if you believe the Bible and if the Spirit of God is teaching you the Word of God, you begin to understand this thing a whole lot different. And instead of biting and devouring, and like we read here, you're yet carnal. There's among you envy and strife and divisions. Are you not carnal as walk as men? Are you not yet carnal walk as men? Well, that's why are they biting and devouring and envying and fighting with one another? What are they doing that for? Because they're carnal. Just like he said. He had it just exactly right. You ain't spiritual. Y'all ain't spiritual. You're fighting with one another like a bunch of dogs and cats. Like animals fight with one another. That's how you're doing. You're not looking behind the scenes. You have no sense of that at all. That there's something else pulling the strings and stirring up all this strife. Not spiritual. Not spiritual. So there is the spiritual man and there is the carnal man. We can't be both at the same time. To be a spiritual man or person, I'm saying man, but it applies to women too. To be a spiritual person doesn't mean that we're considered by most to be very religious. That really gets me if somebody judges me that way. Mm -hmm. Well, we know you're really religious. (laughs) That's terrible. I don't want to be known that way. But I but you gotta understand they're blind. That's all they see. They just see this outward they go to church and you know, they talk about they say they talk about the Bible and they got all these uh things that they won't do. That's the thing. You know, they don't smoke and they don't cheat and they don't go with people that do. They just you know, they're religious people. <coughs> Spiritual doesn't mean that. To be a spiritual man does not mean that we're very knowledgeable about the Bible and God. It's like what I just said a while ago. You know, this fellow told me today, he said, I'm not a religious man. But he thinks I'm a religious man. But that's all he sees from where he's at, see? That's only... That's the only parameters that he has to work with. He he don't understand. Spiritual? He don't understand what that word means. We can be religious and knowledgeable and still as carnal as we can be. Yes, Y'all hear me? Yes, sir. There's people that are as lost as a goose in a hailstorm that can quote chapters out of the Bible. Yes. I've heard of Church of Christ preachers who could quote the whole New Testament, had it all memorized, and believe that you get saved by being baptized. Well, you can memorize it and not even know what it says, can't you? That's true. To be a spiritual person means that we're aware of the two realms in which we live and operate. Not just the earthly, fleshly realm, but also the spiritual realm. You're not a spiritual person unless you're aware. Aware. Really aware of the spiritual realm around us. And how it works in the carnal realm that we live in. 
To be a spiritual person means that we engage with the spiritual realm in the fight against sin and evil. <clears throat> I hope y'all are listening. We think we're spiritual because we go to church, because we say we love God, because we like the songs of God in the old hymn books. Yes, sir. <clears throat> there was a deal a few, several long time ago. But, you know, these people had ought against us because uh, they didn't think that uh, that a lost person could enjoy the things of God. That's not the exact word I want to use there, but delight, that's it. They didn't think that lost people could delight themselves in the things of God, like the songs at church and that. Wrong. Man, you're wrong. If that's what you think, you're dead wrong. That's right. I've seen them do it all my life. They absolutely do. They like to sing the hymns. They like to be around the people of God in church, in that kind of uh, atmosphere. They absolutely can. It means that we realize that the source of all good and evil is in the spiritual, not the carnal realm. saying a lot of things here. I don't know you know, if you're listening to me or not. But it all translates into real life and practical application by changing the way we deal with the problems and the victories of life. All this that I'm saying, spiritual, carnal, it's, it's the two realms. You, don't, you live in the one until you're born again. Then you realize both of them. And it changes the way you live your life, the way you think, the way you plan. It changes the what, what your the desires of your heart, and what you plan for in your life. I'm not very much worried about this life and this world. I don't think we ought to wrap everything up. Never have. I just never have thought that. We ought to be wise and we ought to be prudent and we ought to be good stewards of what the Lord does give us and let us handle and have and possess. But, but as far as just living my life and planning my career and everything else so that I can come out at the end of it when I'm 75 years old, which I, who knows if I'm going to live that long or not, so that I'm fixed. You know, I've got relatives that that's what they've lived their life for. Boy, they wasn't going to be poor like this anymore, so they went to school, got an education, so they could have an easy job, make lots of money, have lots of retirement. And so now they're old. They're about to die. They're miserable. They are miserable yes. people. They have made the money their God. That's all they've thought about. That's what they've planned for. They left God completely out except just as a token. He's like the little the little whatnot on the shelf up there that you just keep there just so, you know, for good measure. Mm -hmm. And now life is a misery for them because my money, my money, i got to keep, you know, I, I, and they've raised the interest rate and, and, you know, they've lowered the interest rate and what am I going to do? They think that they've lived to get every base covered. I mean, got insurance for this, got insurance for that, got insurance for a nurse, no, got insurance for the hospital, got insurance for everything. Cost them a fortune, but they're covered, they think. Yeah. 
I'm not living my life like that. I'm not going to lay up treasures on earth so that the moths and the rust can corrupt them or somebody can steal it. All these union pensions and stuff. How many times? I knew a guy one time come to Sawmill years ago. He'd worked in the city in St. Louis at a some kind of plant up there for 33 years. And he got ready to retire. And after he retired, he found out somebody had stole their, had embezzled their pension fund and all of that. He lost. He didn't get it. So that ain't fair. I don't know. Fair or not. He did not get his pension that he worked for all those years and laid up and counted on and stuck it out in that dead-end job just to get that. And he ended up with nothing. I ain't doing that. Go ahead if you want to. Put all your eggs in the devil's basket and see how it turns out for you. Jesus said not to do that, so I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to lay up treasures for myself on this earth. Lay up treasures for yourself in heaven. How do you do that? Well, you fight the good fight of faith. How do you do that? You better be aware of what you're fighting. You better be aware of the enemy. You better be aware of what causes all this trouble. And fight. Instead of just beating your head against the wall. Bam, 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 bam. I'm fighting. No, you ain't. You're making a fool of yourself. You're going to lose everything. All you're going to do is hurt yourself. So, when this translates into real life. This practical application of this is just to be aware. When we encounter trouble at, with other people, at home, or at work, at church, anywhere else, we look for the cause in the spiritual realm and not in the carnal earthly realm. When are we ever going to stop doing that? Hmm? When are we ever going to stop just reacting and acting just like the rest of this carnal world? Jesus said, But I say unto you, love your enemies. You know, they, He said that they've said of old, you know, hate your enemies. Love your He said, I say unto you, love your enemies. <clears throat> How are you going to do that? How do you love somebody when they do something terrible? When they act terrible? When they're wretched people, how do you love them? Well, you realize there's a reason they're that way. There's reasons they're that way. There's something behind all this that's causing them to be that way. Would you have come upon the maniac in Mark chapter 5 and said, you know, away with him. Would you have done like everybody else had done to him up until then? Try to tie him up with chains and fetters and couldn't and everything else you could come up with to try to control him with physical means? Is that what you, the only thing we can do to him is lock him up, tie him up, tie him down? <clears throat> if they'd have had drugs, they'd have given them to him. <clears throat> what was the matter with that man? He was, he was full of devils, unclean spirits. How hard was it for him to be helped when the right person came along? <laughs> when the only person that had ever in his life dealt with him according to the problem, how long did it take? 
like that. He's free. <coughs> Jesus didn't send him to be psychoanalyzed. <laughs> See what's wrong with his brain. Let's test him. Let's, let's scan him. Let's figure this out. There's got to be some reason. He's got some kind of chemical imbalance here. Or he wouldn't act like that. <coughs> We've got to figure out what it is and we'll fix it with our drugs. Yeah. No, he had an unclean spirit. I had many unclean spirits. Don't blame one another, but seek to stop the influence of the spiritual power that's inciting the discord. <clears throat> Y'all getting what I'm saying here? You just turn on one another and fight with one another instead of recognizing the devil and rebuking the devil. Resisting the devil instead of resisting one another. He said these carnal people, that's what they were doing. And he could tell they were carnal because that's what they's doing. Spiritual people don't do that. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Freedom. Freedom from all of that. Not liberty to smoke cigarettes and take dope and all of that. What's the matter with these people that interpret the Word of God like that? Where the Spirit of God is, there is liberty. Liberty to... To love one another, yes. even if there's wrong, even if people don't act right. right. Don't blame it on one another, blame it on the devil who's inciting it, mm -hmm. who's the accuser of the brethren. Blame it on him. He's the one doing it. Right. <clears throat> people do that among themselves. You know, you cast out the scorner, and what happens? The strife ceases. <clears throat> When we encounter trouble or confusion in our own mind and heart, we look for the answers in the spiritual realm, not in our own wisdom or the wisdom of others. Where do you run to if you're confused about something? Do you run to the Word of God and ask God to help you and show you and straighten you out? Or do you go to, scant, do you go to Google? Or do you go to your library of Christian books and search them? Do you search YouTube for some preacher that's going to help you with this? Do you? You're in the wrong place. Now real quick here. <clears throat> a lot of what Jesus taught and preached about, we've been reading the Gospels and I notice this over and over and over. What He taught and preached about was to try to help people to understand the, this basic truth about spiritual and earthly. John chapter 3, Nicodemus. <laughs> What's it all about? Huh? <clears throat> Ruth, the verse is John 3, 6. For next month. Right. <laughs> you can write that down. Okay, I'm not... As born of the Spirit is Spirit. As born of the flesh is flesh. You know, that's the whole thing that he's talking about there. He's talking about Nicodemus. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. <clears throat> he said, how can a man be born again? Can he enter into his mother's womb and be born again? What's he thinking? Physical, carnal, earthly, just what he knows in his little, for, his little walled up prison of carnal mind. What does Jesus keep reasoning with him about? <clears throat> Except a man be born of the Spirit, uh, be born of water and of the Spirit. See? He, he goes through that over and over. John chapter 3. I could take some time to go there. John chapter 4. Woman at the well. 
What's the issue there? <clears throat> water. When Jesus is talking about living water. <clears throat> She's talking about water in that well. Jacob dug his well. We drank out of this well for all these years. Art thou greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well? <clears throat> Jesus hardly ever answered any of their questions. Did you ever notice that? He just, they'd ask him a question, he'd just tell them something else. He wouldn't even answer them. He's talking about water. He's talking about something beyond the realm that she's living in. She's thinking, water that quenches my thirst and keeps me alive. And He's talking about living water. He's talking about eternal life. He's talking about spiritual things. John chapter 6, the bread of life. Well, they're talking about the manna that Moses gave them. Well, Moses didn't give them manna. God gave them the manna. But they associated it with Moses, see. Jesus answered me. He said, well, your fathers had the manna and they died. They're dead. I'm talking about something else. Living bread. Yes. And if a man eats this bread, he'll never die. And then on down there, he makes it real plain when he talks about, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can't have no part in me and all this. And, and they're thinking, cannibal. How can we? He's crazy. He lost his mind. Even his disciples yeah. couldn't understand what he was talking about. And he said, the words that I speak unto you, they're spirit and they're life. And yet, some of you don't believe. I'm not talking about eating my body. I'm talking about spiritual. If, if you, he that hath the Son, hath life. He that hath not the Son of God, hath not life. We're talking about, he's, don't you see? He's trying, everything Jesus talked about almost every time. John 6, 26 and 27, John answered, uh, John. <coughs> Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, You seek me. Not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life. You see? See? What he's talking about? What he's trying to get them to see? He's trying to get them to realize there's more to life than just your bread and your belly being full. Satisfying the flesh, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. Verse 49 through 51. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give you, give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. <laughs> He bare, we talked about it a few weeks ago, Jesus bore my sins in his own body on the tree. His body was the sacrifice for sin. And he told them, except you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, what did they do with the sacrifices back in the Old Testament? All but the whole burnt offering, they ate them. What did they do with the Passover lamb? Jesus is our Passover. What did they do with the Passover lamb? They ate it. All of it. They had, that was the order from God. All of it. Before morning. So he wasn't talking. He was talking to them what they should have known already. 
Verse 6 3. It is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Over and over he tried to explain to him the difference between their carnal ordinances and the spiritual truths that those ordinances <clears throat> represented. They could only interpret the law of God through their carnal, earthly minds and had turned it all into oppressive religion that darkened souls instead of enlightening them. <clears throat> That's what men do with God's law in their carnal state. Now this was the condemnation, Jesus said in John chapter 3, that light was come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light. So the bottom line, we must be born again in order to see the kingdom of God. We cannot have any understanding unless we're born again. I asked a Methodist preacher one time. I was in a wedding. Your, un your uncle's wedding is a Methodist preacher. He had on a robe. I was very cocky back in them days and... So I asked him, why y'all wear them robes? And he said, well, he said, I think Baptists are probably the only ones that don't wear these robes. And I said, well, tell me about when you got saved. He said, well, I'm not kidding. This was a long time ago, but I remember what he said. He said, well, I'm not sure just what you're asking me, but if, if you're asking me when I joined the church, he said, I've always been a Christian. <laughs> I said, no, I'm talking about, you know, when you got born again. He said, well, I really, I don't know, I don't know what you're wanting to know from me. Preacher. Yeah. You must be born again. Jesus said that. How can a preacher, pastor in a church, not know that Jesus said, you must be born again? That's strong language. Very exclusive language. No room for various opinions. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Or God. <clears throat> Without a new birth, we cannot know the spirit, not know spiritual things. And we will operate in the carnal realm only until we die and perish forever. So the natural man is blind to spiritual things concerning God. And he's dead to the spiritual things of God. Now he's not dead and blind to the evil side of the spiritual world. That's why there's witches and devil worshippers and all of this. They know that they're alive to that, but they're not to God. Because... Their sin has separated them from God. See? Just try to study on this. Try to. I don't know if this is one of those things that the devil fights harder than anything else. He don't want you to understand this. And he don't want you to look at life through this. Under this truth of what really exists. What's going on around us? We can't see with these eyes. But if we're spiritual, and the only way we can be spiritual is if this, we've been born again and the Spirit of God lives in us, then the Bible just comes alive. 
we can know the things of God. <laughs> Those verses right prior to that, uh, you know, that's the verses that talk about, uh, let me see, but as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God had prepared for them that love Him. What does the next verse say? The next line says, But God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit. Now what about that? For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. And then we where I started there, for what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him. <clears throat> there ought to be a great difference. There is a great difference between somebody who is born again and somebody who is not. When you're born again, you begin to understand. You know, we, we have church, we have Sunday school, we have all these things where we teach everybody all about God. But who's getting it and who's not? And if the teaching has is not through the Spirit of God, by the Spirit of God, if it doesn't come through the Spirit of God, then what are we doing? Well, we're just playing church. We're just playing games. We're being religious. We're not spiritual by whatever high standards we have. We're not spiritual because we're so tight with everything. It's not spirituality. <clears throat> uh, no matter how much we know. What they talk about in charity there, you know, all the things we can do and have and exercise, but what does it count without charity? Nothing. Nothing. Where does charity? How do, how does that come into the picture? Well, the fruit of the spirit is <laughs> there. It is right there. Makes me love everybody. What does? Well, that old time religion they were talking about was the kind that we're talking about here. Being really born again. You know who evangelized America? The Methodist. You know what they preached? In evangelizing America, you must be born again. Yes, they did. Now you don't have to be born again. Jimmy Carter was born again when he ran for president. Y'all named nobody here. He remembers that. I do. Smiling Jimmy. He still teaches a Sunday school class. But he thinks Israel's the devil. What does that tell you about him? Tells me all I need to know. You can say you're born again. It was a fad back there in the 70s, you know. You wore a button and said, born again. It was a little catchphrase that is kind of popular. I'm born again. But it didn't mean a thing. Yeah. All right. I'm done. I'll quit. I ain't done, but I'll quit. <laughs> There's therefore now no condemnation. Is that the end of it there? No. You walk after the Spirit, not after the flesh. You walk after the Spirit, 
led by the Spirit, you're gonna you're not in the dark, and you know what's going on, and you fight a good fight, and you're a good soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. Otherwise, uh, you're just you're just shooting in the air, batting at the air, doing no good at all. Probably doing a lot of harm to your own self and your family and everybody else. Be led by the Spirit, Father. Thank you for the Word of God. <clears throat> Wish I could do a better job making it plain. It's hard to make something like this as plain as it needs to be. The devil fights hard against it. Doesn't want people to see and understand this. All kinds of excuses, all kinds of accusations from the devil in the minds of the people when they're hearing these things. <clears throat> but Lord, we know it's true. And we've read it from the scriptures here over and over this evening. Many, many more. The whole Word of God testifies that this is true. And so, Lord, please help us to realize it and walk in it and, and do what's pleasing in your sight and know what it is to see victory over some of these awful situations and terrible things that uh, the devil has done to some of the folks' lives that we know and love and even in our own family. Please help us, Lord, as we go from here. Please keep us safe on the road, everybody. Please watch over us through this next week here. Please hear us when we cry and help us, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.